Amen. So we are um, drawing to a conclusion a series of sermons that uh, we've been using uh, that is outlined on the front cover of our, our worship folder, Embracing God's Vision. We've talked about our values. We've talked about our practices. We've talked about our obstacles. And um, some of the obstacles that we've dealt with have had to do with treasured traditions. Um, some have had to do with rooted relationships. And today we're going to move on to a third obstacle than getting away, which is um, personal preferences. Uh, and we all have personal preferences, right? And I thought that probably a way to kind of help us understand personal preferences this morning is have a little congregational participation. Are you up for that? A little participation? You've got to pay attention, all right? I'm going to ask you to actually vote this morning, all right, for a few things. All right, so what do you think? Pepsi? Everybody who's a Pepsi fan, raise your hand over Coke. Pepsi over Coke, raise your hand. It's not cocaine, okay? It's Coca-Cola, all right? Let's... All right, so we got Pepsi and Coke. That's a choice you have to make. How about this one? How many of you are a fan of thin crust pizza? How about deep dish pizza? Yeah. Okay, so let me just explain this. Here's the problem with deep dish pizza. It's, it's really good. But when I go in to order a deep dish pizza, they say, it's going to take us 45 minutes to make that for you. And I say, good, give me a thin crust while I'm waiting. So that's it. You just got to gotta know how to work your food groups, okay? McDonald's? Burger King? No one wants to admit it, right? That's Okay. True confessions. No, no. I'm not going to show you which one I like to food. I, I will say this. There's nothing better than Diet Coke from McDonald's. That's all I got to say. Oh, White Sox, anyone? Cubs? A lot of bandwagon jumpers this year, right? All right. CNN? Fox News? MSNBC? No? I know you all love Channel 2, WBBM, 10 o'clock news, where our own Rob Johnson reports every Sunday, right? So. All right, so we, we all have personal preferences, right? And there's no scientific study that says, well, this is better than that, that Pepsi is better than Coke. You know, there's no scientific study that says that thin crust pizza is better than deep dish or vice versa. In fact, there are studies that show that no pizza is really good for you, you know? But we all justify it by saying a pizza. It includes every food group, all in one piece. You know, it's great. It's wonderful. But they're all basically based on personal preferences. And our personal preferences, we get them from a lot of different places, right? You know, our families in which we grew up, the perspective that we have on life, perhaps some educational opportunities, some travel that we've had. We all have our own personal preferences based on lots of different things. And sometimes um, personal preferences can lead to, to conflict. Um, how many of you have a thermostat in your home? Yeah. How many of you have a personal preference for where you want it set at? Does everybody in your home share that personal preference? No. No, no, no. All right? There's always someone puts it up and someone puts it down. Someone puts it up and someone puts it down. When our kids were growing up, uh, we liked it down, not because we liked it cool, but because we were Dutch. Um, it's just cheaper. So we kept it pretty cold in our house. Uh, and the kids would always turn it up because they were always cold. And so finally Becky put a sticky note on the thermostat. If you're cold, put another layer on. Just leave the thermostat alone. Uh, uh, 
so, and we have that in church. You know, some people think it's really warm in here right now. And some people are going, man, can we turn the heat up? It's really cold in here right now. And so peripheral presence have it warmer or colder. And this happens in every congregation in America. Somebody comes up every Sunday and they'll say, you know, it was really cold in the sanctuary today. And someone else will come up and say, you know, it was really too warm in the sanctuary today. You know? And so one church solved this by putting a thermostat on the back wall in the sanctuary. And they had two people who were primarily really interested in the temperature in the sanctuary. You know, so when, it, when they felt it was too cold, that person went back and they turned the thermostat up. And then they went back and sat in their seat. And five minutes later, another person went back and they turned it down because they thought it was too warm. And it, it kind of went on during the whole service. And they were always kind of getting their personal preference and expressing what they wanted to have happen. But what they didn't know is that thermostat was hooked up to nothing. But they felt powerful, and they were going to get their way. And this is my personal preference, and I'm going to exercise it. And I wish it was really funny, but it's true. Um, so we, it, they can lead to conflict, right? You're going to have Thanksgiving. We're all going to celebrate Thanksgiving soon. Everybody has a personal preference for the kind of... How many turkey people in the house? Turkey? How many are going to have ham? Nobody? I know that's a Christmas dish because, you know, that's what we think. That's a treasured tradition. Okay? I have a friend who was uh, trying to sort out what his family was going to have. Um, he has three young adult children. Uh, they never answer their phones because um, you have to either text them or whatever. And so he wanted to know what their personal preferences were for Thanksgiving. So he said, do you want turkey? Do you want ham? Do you want prime rib? Within 10 seconds after publishing that email, he got responses from all three of his kids. They wanted prime rib. But you can, you know, you know I guess the only other way to get it, it, it do you want to still stay in the will? That usually they respond to as well. So a couple weeks ago, we shared this statement that God's mission always trumps, right, treasured traditions, rooted relationships, and personal preferences. And those are the very obstacles that get in the way from us achieving God's vision. And we've talked about two of those, and today we're going to land on this uh, idea of, of personal preferences. And it's amazing how often in the Bible personal preferences come into conflict with God's vision for what people should do. I mean, I was thinking... In the very first story about people dealing with God's vision in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, God has a vision for what they should do, but they exercise their personal preference, right, to do something completely different, to do it their own way. So from the very beginning of time, personal preferences always have been in conflict with God's vision and will. And in Jesus' ministry with his disciples, it happened all the time. So today from John chapter 11, we're going to begin at verse... uh, 7 and read through 16 and this is the context of this is that uh, Lazarus is dying and Mary and Martha sent for Jesus to come and heal and he didn't go and Lazarus dies and this is a conversation that Jesus has with the disciples in the midst of that story Jesus said to his disciples let us go back to Judea but rabbi they said a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you are going back Jesus answered Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light at all. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant a natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And Thomas, also known as Didymus, 
said to the rest of the disciples, well, let's us also go that we may die with him. Let's not go because I'm convinced now it's the right thing to do. Let's not go because uh, it's God's vision. I know we should do it. It was just like, well, resign ourselves. We're done arguing. Let's just go and we can all die. That was Thomas's viewpoint. But a need had been presented. Lazarus was sick. They needed Jesus to come and to make him well. And to do so, he was going to have to go to a suburb of Jerusalem. And the last time that the disciples and Jesus were in Jerusalem, Jesus' life was threatened. They were ready to stone him, and they barely escaped. So you kind of get the idea, right? Why do you want to go back? Now, you've got to understand another part of the tension here is the different idea of Jesus' vision of what the kingdom of God was going to be like and the disciples' vision of what the kingdom of God was going to be like. The disciples were looking for a material kingdom where Jesus would be king. He'd conquer Rome by military power. He would restore Israel to its rightly place as the most dominant nation. That was their idea of what Jesus should be doing in terms of building a kingdom. Jesus knew that he was building a different kind of kingdom. And the only way that kingdom could be built is if he went to Jerusalem and died. But the disciples wanted no part of that. Their personal preference was to play it safe and secure. If we don't go to Jerusalem, you can do what you're going to do here. We're going to have the kind of kingdom that we want to have, and everything is going to work out fine. And so you have, right, this tension between Jesus' vision for what the kingdom of God should be like and where he's going and the personal preferences of the disciples. And I wish I could tell you that's the only time it happened in the relationship together, but that's not true. Uh, You may be familiar with the story of the feeding of 5,000. Jesus had been teaching 5,000 people all day long. It was getting to be sunset. It was going to be dark. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, these people need to get going. They got to get home and eat. We can't feed these people. We got to get rid of them. That was their personal preference. And Jesus said, oh, no, you can feed all these people. We'll be fine. You can do it. No, we got to send them home. Again, personal preference versus Jesus' vision for what could really take place. Um, Jesus was uh, teaching one day, and children were trying to get to him. And the treasured tradition of the Jews was the children had no place coming that close to and interacting with a rabbi. So the disciples tried to protect Jesus. Their personal preference was to protect their treasured tradition. And Jesus said, no, let the little children come to me. The stories of conflict of people's personal preferences and God's vision are all throughout the scriptures. I mean, even if you go back to the Old Testament, um, you may be familiar with the story of Jonah, right? Four quick chapters. Uh, God comes to Jonah and says, look, these people in Nineveh, they're despicable. They need to be destroyed. I need you to go to them and to tell them that I'm going to destroy these people uh, unless they turn things around. Well, that's God's vision for what should happen, right? Jonah wanted no part of it. Apparently, he hated the Ninevites. He would do anything but go to Nineveh. And so the way to avoid it was to go someplace else. And so he got in a ship that was going to go to Tarshish. Um, And through a series of events, you can read in the story yourself, he ends up in the water, a whale swallows him, and spits him out on the shore of Nineveh. It wasn't his personal preference to go to Nineveh, but God sent him there anyway. And not only did he go to Nineveh, but he did what God asked him to do, and the Ninevites completely turned around their lives. Now let me ask you this. If you and I knew of a city in the Chicagoland area where there are absolutely no Christians, okay, and a couple of you went there and held an evangelistic rally and the entire town became believers, what would you, how would we react? 
If you hadn't received that important on Sunday morning, we'd celebrate, we'd clap, we'd applaud, we'd cheer. God did a great work. Isn't that wonderful? Woo! Eh, but not Jonah. <laughs> not Jonah. Jonah wasn't happy at all that the Ninevites turned around. In fact, it says, Jonah, to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And because it seemed very wrong, he became angry and he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That's what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I know that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. And I hate that about you. That's basically what he's saying. Because I think people ought to suffer the consequences of what they've sown themselves. He's angry. Take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. His personal preference was to see everybody in Nineveh die as opposed to live. It's just not fair. They don't deserve your grace or your love or your mercy, and I'm angry that you gave it to them. And God answers Jonah very simply Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? This, this is what I wanted to have happen, and I'm God and you're not. It's the personal preference of most of us in life to resist change. We don't like change. Change is difficult. However, Jack Welch, the former CEO of the General Electric Corporation, reminds us that when the rate of change inside an organization is slower than the rate of change outside of an organization, the end of that organization is in sight. The world around us changes. And if we're not keeping up with the rate of change, we're going to get left behind. The landscape is littered with churches that are mere skeletons of their former selves because they refuse to change. Their personal preference was to stay exactly the same. We're not changing a thing. We're not going to kowtow to culture. And so they're either dying or they are dead. I mean, you know, some of you grew up in neighborhoods, right, where there was... A church every couple of blocks you know in our culture it was first Christian reformed in one block two blocks later it was second Christian reformed three blocks later it was third Christian reformed four blocks later it was not quite as good as the rest of us Christian reformed you know that's kind of how it went they were every couple blocks and not just in Holland Michigan they were kind of like everywhere even in neighborhoods in Chicago and the reason was is that churches were set up to be neighborhood churches and you went to the church that you and your family could walk to. That's how you got there. When you go to city churches, in the inner city churches that, that were there when they had this block kind of idea, there's no parking lot. Because everybody walked. They didn't need parking for cars or whatever the case might be. Think, how many of you walked here this morning? Walking from Park Place doesn't count. <laughs> Cal and Marcy lived across from Timothy. That doesn't count. Nicole, you live right next door in the apartments. I'd be embarrassed if you drove over. But there are people here this morning that came from Plainfield. There are people who come here every Sunday from Plainfield and Glen Ellen and Naperville and Iowa, whatever's west of Wheaton. Because <laughs> cultures change. We all have cars. This is what we need. We need parking. If you don't keep up with the change of culture, you're going to get left behind. Technology. I mean, very few people write checks anymore. I'm not going to ask you to show your hands because then people will kind of go, well, you're... I remember used to sitting down and paying bills 
I mean, always my favorite thing to do. And writing out all these checks and keeping a balance in the checkbook and subtracting and adding. And the kids would, everybody would leave the house. And they'd, I'd go, why are we all leaving the house? Well, whenever you pay bills, you're so crabby. <laughs> so now I, you do everything online. It takes like 10 minutes to pay all of our bills every time. I think that's a pretty good change. But if I don't keep up, I'm going to get left behind, right? Churches have to have technology that that keeps up with the culture in which we live. Right now, there are people watching this service in India. Not Indiana. In India. Pastor Greg and Sarah and their son Will, Dave and Dina Zielstra, Ken and Gwen Hoving from our congregation, along with people from Western Michigan. They're all over doing a Mission India kind of trip. They're in India right now, and Dina Zielstra already figured out that at 10 o'clock at night, India time, they could watch our 1030 service. But without live stream technology, that couldn't happen. I know that many of you, when you're not here, you watch our services via live stream. It helps you feel like you can still be a part of this congregation even when you are away. Now, you met Dustin and Becky Grenier earlier, right? They were up here having their child baptized. You know how they came to our church? They were church shopping online. I mean, you, you go to all the, Can you imagine? That's the way technology has changed, right? When you wanted to find a church, you have to go to the church, sit through the service on Sunday morning. It's so time-consuming. But if you can sit at your computer and watch services online, you can check a lot of churches off the box before you, you know, end up here. That's how they ended up here. It's a phenomenal use of technology for the outreach and the point of the gospel, right? But if the change outside is much more quick than the change inside, we're going to be, end up being left behind. And it all comes down to personal preferences. Some people don't like to watch online. I get it. You know, some people don't like to do this or that. But it's all our personal preference. And when we make personal preferences, biblical absolutes, that's when we get into conflict. And we all have our personal preferences. What's necessary is that we have to understand that a personal preference is just like that. And everybody has a different personal preference. I mean, you can go down the row here and see that you all have different personal preferences. Whose personal preference should be honored? Well, we all think ours, right? Plus, we have a whole other congregation that was here at 9 o'clock. They have personal preferences. The vision of God always has to trump our personal preferences. Jesus actually taught that, you know. He said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. What does deny yourself sound like to you? It sounds like my personal preferences, what I like, has to be secondary to the vision of God. The vision of God was to pick up your cross and follow me. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun. That wouldn't be my personal preference. But that's the advice of Jesus. We all have our personal preferences. We like what we like. We want what we want. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it doesn't become an obstacle to achieving God's vision. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't work out that well. Peter and John were arrested for preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The religious leaders called them in again a second time and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Well, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. 
They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. But the religious leaders weren't that happy. God's mission always trumps our personal preferences. And that scenario that we think is a first century scenario is not confined to the first century. You know, I've been doing this long enough to know that when people have really deeply rooted personal preferences, they're going to let you know what they are, and then they'll threaten you. Well, if you're going to do this, then I'm going to leave. If you're going to do this, then I'm going to withhold our giving. If you're going to do this, then I'm going to do something else. There's always threats out there, just like the disciples had. And church leaders need to understand that our commitment is to the vision that God has given us. I mean, it strikes me that as we sit here this morning at 149 West Brush Hill Road, not all of you wanted to be here. I mean, many of you were very happy to still be over at 905 South Kent in our old building, in our old neighborhood. And when the vision for a new church in a new place was presented, your personal preference was to not do it. Why would we do that? We don't want to do that. Which is okay. But the church leaders had determined this was God's vision for this congregation. And so many of you were willing to deny yourself. I'll give up my personal preference. I'll pick up my cross and I'll move to West 49, one, uh, whatever our address is here. I never know if we're the hospital or the church. 149 West Brush Hill Road. I'll move there. And I'm not that excited about it, but it's God's vision for our church. And so here we are today. And there's a lot of people who are here only because we moved to 149 West Brush Hill Road. Personal preferences have to be secondary to the vision of God and to the community of which we are a part. It's not just about me and what I like or what you like. What's best for the whole community? What's, what's the best thing that works in a situation like this? What's the best thing for us to do to achieve God's vision? You see, the disciples were right, weren't they? The disciples were absolutely right. If they went to Jerusalem, Jesus was going to die. And they didn't want to see that happen. It was their personal preference to keep Jesus alive. But Jesus had another vision. Even though in the Garden of Gethsemane, he expressed that his personal preference was to not go to the cross. I don't want to do it this way. If there's any other way, Lord... Let me do it another way. But, in other words, that's my personal preference. But let your will be done. Let your will be done. You see, a lot of times when we let our personal preferences die, God has something much bigger for us in mind that we don't even know about. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word, which reminds us that um, you are a loving and gracious God and that you continually put up with the stiff-necked people. We want to follow you. We want to live into your vision. We want to draw people to know Jesus. And so for each and every one of us, show us what that might mean. 
and tell us what we need to do to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. This is a time in our service where we um, return to God, uh, gifts and tithes, which are a tangible way for us to express our gratitude for everything that God has given to us. And over the last several weeks, we've talked about where we are in the life of our church and our budget. We've got some, a couple hundred thousand dollars we need to make up to catch up and then ongoing to the end of the year. And some people have reminded me that my illustration is inaccurate. And I say to them, well, that's your personal preference. So I, I made a classic leadership error that I have to confess to all of you. When I've said to you that if you are currently giving $10,000 to the church, you gave 1% more, you'd be giving 11000 And people go, no, hold it. 1% of 10000 is not another 1000 And I said, well, it is in Rev math. <laughs> I said, no, the assumption I made is that you were tithing on your income, therefore you were giving 10000 so your income would be? 100,000, if you were tithing 10% on it, you were giving 10. And to add 1% to that, you'd go back to the 100 and add another 1,000, right? It's not that hard. It's not higher math. I mean, my granddaughter, who's two, figured out with a crayon. The point is this. If all of us chip in an extra 1% as families before the end of the year, we'll be fine. So that's all that God has to put on your heart today. Let's continue to worship with our tithes and offerings. (laughs) 